Hey, my name is Brian Golden. I'm the lead pastor of Centerpoint Church. And I just want to personally thank you for listening to our podcast. And I also want to invite you wherever you are around the country or in the Tampa Bay area to join our digital online campus at centerpointfl.org. And here's what you need to know. Our vision is to create an alternative to church as usual for all people. And all that means is, regardless of whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus, you're new to faith, you're investigating faith, or you don't even know what you believe, our goal is for you to feel like you belong, even if you never believe. And so thank you again for listening, and I hope today's message encourages you and helps you. Here's one of the things about this season that I don't need to tell you about. Like, it is stressful. Um, I, I'm one of the people, I'm all in with Christmas, and I love it. But, like, it's just stressful. There's a lot to get done, and as much as you want to enjoy the season, um, it's that way whether there's a pandemic or not, whether we're dealing with all the stuff that we've had to deal with in 2020 or not. And then you add, like, kids onto that, and it's like a whole nother layer. Like, there is just a lot of stress to it. And one of the things that is somewhat shady, but it's just real, is as a parent of several kids, you'll do whatever it takes this time of year with all that you got going on to try to get your kids to behave, to try to make your point, to try to get them to fall in line. And this is unfortunate, but, like, Santa is an easy target. In, in the sense of, like, the other day, my kids were going off the rails. One of them, they'll, they'll remain nameless. But, like, their behavior was, like, not ideal. And immediately, you can't help yourself. You're just like, I'm going to call Santa right now, and he's not coming this Christmas if you don't get it together. And if you are not a parent, you're judging me. If you are a parent, you're like, that's just good parenting. But, like, you do whatever you got to do to make it happen. Now, if you're a kid tonight, it's empty threats. Santa's coming, so it's on, he will be here, it's all good. But that, just that whole thing of like, okay, you don't really deserve this, you are driving me crazy, I'll do whatever it takes to try to get you to obey, and then you just start to threaten like, you don't deserve it, so Christmas is not coming. You never follow through, but you, you say it. And here's my point in all of that, is that, um, as I was thinking about this, Christmas is con- kind of God's idea or version of, like, you don't really deserve this, but I'm just going to do it anyway. And it's funny because we always, we want to um, fast forward the Christmas story to baby in a manger. It starts way before that. It actually starts with a guy by the name of Abraham. God comes to him. He's like, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. And through that nation is going to come a Messiah. And, and Abraham, I'm just going to do this. And then Abraham doesn't make it easy at any point. Like he lies. He's shady multiple times, even though he ends up of like this man of great faith. And in many ways he was, as, as he was going through that journey, like he lost faith multiple times. And yet it is if God says to Abraham, like in spite of all of this, and you're not making it easy on me, I'm just going to do it anyway. And then he comes to David, a guy that he's made a promise. And then three chapters later in this promise in the Old Testament, David fails in the most unbelievable way imaginable. And it's as if God says to David, hey, in spite of you, in spite of this, because that's not what my promise is based on. This is part of God's just going to do it anyway plan. And so, David, in spite of you, what I have in store is just going to happen. And what you see, man, all the way up to the Christmas story again and again is God using the most unlikely people in the most unlikely ways. Like every single one of them. Like they believed, they didn't believe, then they kind of believed, and then they were faithful, and then they were unfaithful, all the way up to the Christmas story. And yet, over and over again, God's just going, okay, I get it, I see you, not ideal. God's just going to do it anyway. Believe it or not, ready or not. 
And it's why Luke, when he starts writing his famous verses that you may be familiar with, even if you haven't grown up around church, Luke was highly educated, sat down to investigate, interview eyewitnesses, begins to write his account. And he actually starts with a guy by the name of Zachariah, and he falls in line with everybody else. Because Zacharias um, is a priest. He's one of probably about 18,000 priests at that time. And they would, they would go into the Holy of Holies, which is like the kind of the epicenter of where God resided in the Old Testament. And they would offer two sacrifices a day. And they would split this up among the priests. But there's 18,000. So it's like a career-defining day if you get chosen to go into the Holy of Holies and make a sacrifice. And finally, Zechariah is chosen for this really high honor. And he goes into the Holy of Holies. He gets to go through the ceremonial thing and offer the sacrifice. And you maybe know the story. While he's there, out of nowhere, an angel shows up to him. And Zechariah gets this promise from an angel. Hey, Zechariah, like you are going to, through your wife Elizabeth, you guys are about to have a child. And that was, I mean, it was a big deal because he's talking to an angel, but it's also a big deal because this promise was against all odds because Zachariah and Elizabeth had been trying to have a baby for decades. And Zachariah, who's part of this epic narrative, just like David, just like Abraham and many others before him, like this is Zachariah's response to an angel in, a holy, in the Holy of Holies offering him this promise. Here's what he says. Luke records it. Zachariah asked the angel, um, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife is, and then he stops himself. Like, this is a guy that he, they've been together for a bit. He's probably been sent to a couch a couple times. Like, this is the point where, like, this is a very skilled answer. Because he's like, I'm really old, and my wife is, how do I say this? She is well along in years. <laughs> and, and it's as if Zachariah's basically like, okay, just straight up. I mean, I'm talking to an angel, but I have doubts. Like, I'm not sure. I don't know. And then I love, like, the humor in the scriptures that we often miss because this next part, it's as if the angel's going, Zechariah, are you serious? Like, you were talking to an angel in the Holy of Holies, and so the next line out of the angel's mouth is, hey, Zechariah, I'm Gabriel. Like, you are talking to the angel Gabriel in the Holy of Holies, and you are telling me that you need more information and the angel says, verse 20, and now you're going to be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens. Because you did not believe my words, and this is so important, that will come true at their appointed time. Meaning when God is ready, God's just going to do it anyway. And Zechariah, you're in a long line of a bunch of individuals and characters leading up to what I'm doing in history, but I'm just going to bless you. And I'm just going to use you, whether you realize it or not, and honestly, in spite of you. Now, Zachariah's in there, though, and everybody else on the outside is like, it does not take this long to offer a sacrifice. Like, he should be out already. Like, something is going down. And then Zechariah comes out of the Holy of Holies, verse 22, and when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. Can you imagine this scenario like Zechariah is walking out of the Holy of Holies. He can't talk. He's trying to make up sign language. He doesn't know sign language. They know he's white as a ghost because he's just seeing a ghost. Like this, something has just gone down, but Zechariah can't communicate it. So in his feeble attempt to communicate something, he just goes home. They're like, something happened in the Holy of Holies. And Zechariah heads home to his wife, Elizabeth, and he's thinking in his mind, I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe. 
And then he gets home to his wife, Elizabeth, and Elizabeth's a realist in the family because as soon as she tells, he tells Elizabeth the promise from the angel in the Holy of Holies, Elizabeth is like, no way. Like, Zach, you said it. I am well along in years. There is no way that this is going to happen. And I think you could also insert this. Elizabeth is thinking, there is no way that I am going to be disappointed one more time. And listen, I just want to say this to some of you watching and listening somewhere. You're in the room tonight is you may be in a place right now where you're moving between that tensions of like maybe and there is no way that God's going to do this. There's no way that God could move me beyond this doubt. There is no way that I'm going to be able to make it through what I've been asked to walk through in this season. I don't think there's any way that God could produce purpose out of this pain. There is no way that I'm going to be able to handle this. And yet, sure enough, Elizabeth becomes pregnant and she keeps it a secret for about five months. And still really unbeknownst to them because they don't fully know what God's doing. And unbeknownst to everybody else around them, God is on the move. In the most unlikely ways, through the most unlikely people, because it was all a part of God's, hey, if you believe it or not, if you're ready or not, God's just going to do this anyway plan. And in the six months... Of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel to Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, greetings, and this is so important, you, Mary, who are highly favored. And again, in our romanticized version of the story, it's not a big deal, but this was a huge deal because I guarantee in Mary's mind, she's probably a 15-year-old maid and she's thinking, I haven't even had enough time to earn God's favor. I barely had enough life to live. And yet this is so strategic because God is on the move to introduce something that was brand new to planet Earth because over and over and over again, Jesus would extend favor to people who did not have any ability to earn God's favor. And so Mary, it's why you're here and God has chosen you and the Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wonder what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, and again, it's so important, Mary, do not be afraid. And again, just pause for a second. Mary had every reason in the world to be afraid. You have every reason in the world to be afraid. If somebody shows up who is representing God or if somehow you are like face to face with God, you have every reason in the world to be afraid because all of us know us. Like, you know, the you that stares up at the ceiling and knows the inter recesses of your heart and your mind and stuff that you've never told anybody else. And if there is a God and if that God shows up or somebody's representing that God, like you have every reason to be afraid. And in this moment, it is so strategic because the angel is saying to Mary, just like he's going to say to the shepherds, listen, God is about to do something in history where no longer is it going to operate on the basis of fear because God has come to remove everything that you should be afraid of. And it's why it's going to be good news for all people. And Mary's still going, okay, I know, but why me? Like, why me? And the angel's going, Mary, it's not about you. And it wasn't about Abraham. And it wasn't about Zachariah. And it wasn't about any of the other characters leading up to this moment. This is a part of God's, I'm just going to do this anyway plan. 
And you're going to conceive Mary and you're going to give birth to a son. And you're going to call him Jesus, or in our translation, literally Joshua, the warrior king. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord will give him the throne of his father, David. And, and then this is the hinge point because this is the moment. Like Mary knows enough. Like, again, you're talking to an angel. Like this is incredible. I've been chosen for this. God's about to do something. And even with my lack of detail, this is the moment where Mary hits her knees and like raises her hands to go, this is incredible. And God has chosen me. And the only response is I just need to worship God. And that's not what Mary does. Mary's like, oh, I all due respect, how? Like, come on, how is that gonna happen? How is this gonna take? But like, I want to believe you, but how? Since I am, I don't know how to say this, but I'm just gonna say it, I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit's gonna come on you. And the power of the most high is gonna overshadow you. Basically, just don't miss this real quick. Basically, the angel's saying this to Mary. Mary, what is in you is from God. And I'll tell you why that's important. Because, again, we romanticize baby in a manger, and there's animals, and it's a silent night, and it's caricatured, and it's story and fairy tale. But, like, in the moment where Mary's at, not knowing the end of the story, this isn't what you perceive. Like, Mary in that moment is thinking, I am being handed dysfunction that I did not ask for. Because I'm about to be an unwed, pregnant 14-year-old in first century culture with no viable explanation. It is not going to end well for me. And what the angel is saying in this moment is, Mary, what is in you is from God. And I'll tell you why that may be important to you wherever you're watching, listening, or in the house tonight is you may be sitting in a place right now where you have been handed dysfunction and disappointment that you didn't choose. You didn't do anything to create it. You didn't make the decisions. You didn't ask for it. You didn't pray for it. And yet you are walking through disappointment and dysfunction that you would never choose. And one of the major narratives and hopes within the Christmas story is this, is that the dysfunction and the disappointment Disappointment that you see may be disguised destiny. And in the very thing that you would not choose, it is the very thing that God has decided to use because God has a plan and a destiny for your life. And he says to you, whether you chose it or not, or whether you would ever want to walk through it or not, I am doing something in your life and I'm gonna accomplish it and do it whether you're ready or not, whether you believe me, whether you have doubts or not, it is just a part of my plan. And the very thing that you see as dysfunction may actually be purpose. So, the Holy One to be born is going to be called the Son of God. And even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable, but God's like, I just decided anyway, to conceive in her sixth month. And this is so important. If you don't get anything else, just get this. For no word from God will ever fail. Ready or not, Believe it or not, God's just going to do it. And I love Mary's response because it's, again, so real. She doesn't have her questions figured out. Her doubts have not been answered. And she doesn't respond on the basis of her how questions being answered. She re responds on the basis of her confidence in who. I don't know. I got doubts. I'm not sure how this is going to end. 
but I have just enough faith in you because I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. And may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. And you maybe know the story. Zachariah and Elizabeth have a baby who becomes the famous John the Baptist, who's the forerunner for the Messiah. And ultimately, Mary and Joseph, and no secular historian will dispute this any longer, had a real child by the name of Jesus who grew up to be 33 years of age. And from everything that we know, Mary tried to raise him as normally as possible. And then one day at 33 years old, she watched her firstborn son die. And then she would peer into an empty tomb. And then she would embrace her resurrected son. And in that moment, she would know without a doubt that he was exactly who the angels foretold. He was the savior of the world. But more importantly to Mary in that moment, he was her personal savior. And he had done exactly what he promised to do. Because believe it or not, ready or not, God was just going to do it. And come on, I've said this a hundred times. If you've been around here, you watch us regularly. But come on, if any guy could predict his own death and resurrection and pull it off, you should believe whatever that guy says. And it's why I think some of the most important words in all of the Christmas story are the words <clears throat> that Luke pens in verse 37, that no word from God will ever fail. No word from God will ever fail, which just means this as we close. God's just going to do it anyway. And you may be here tonight and there's doubts and there's things that I'm, not just, I'm just not sure of. And what you need to know is that God is going to finish what he started in your life. And we get this so confused, but I just want you to know what you did at 17 and what you did at 27 or what you did at 47 are not going to reverse the plan of God on your life. And by the way, this is what the scripture is so clear about. God has a destiny and a plan and a will for your life. And it is bigger than you and it is bigger than what happened to you and in your unfaithfulness, God has been faithful to you. And he says to you, wherever you are, no matter how far you've run, no matter how removed you are from the dream that I've placed on your life in terms of how I want to use you, nothing is going to thwart my plan for you. And even in your unfaithfulness, I'm going to finish what I started because it is not based on you. It's based on me and no word from God is ever going to fail. And you may be in a place where you're trying to walk through a season where you're going, I don't know if I can make it to the other side of this. I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to get on the other side of this doubt. And like, I want to trust God, but I'm walking through pain that is so random and so unexplainable. I'm not sure if I can ever make sense of it. And if I were to be real honest, and I haven't told anybody else around me, I'm not sure that I can trust God through this. And this is the thing that we get so confused that has the potential to give you so much hope tonight, even if none of your circumstances change. God has made you a promise and it is part of his believe it or not in those seasons when you are ready or not, I'm just gonna do it anyway. And here's my promise. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that is not based on your ability to not doubt. And that is not based on your ability to understand anything. That is not based on your ability to figure out the circumstances of your life. That is not even 
even based on your ability to have faith and believe in certain moments of your life. God has promised, I am just going to be faithful anyway. And you may not be sure if you can get to the other side of the doubt, make it through, or whether God will move purpose out of that pain. But I am sure, and I'm never going to leave you or forsake you, even when you forsake me, because no word from God is ever going to fail. And lastly, let me, just, let me just tell you one more thing because for some of us, we're just walking in a place and few of us want to admit this. And if you're a dude, you don't want to admit this, but it's just a thing that's it's a thread in all of humanity where we wonder at times with where I've been, with what I've done, with maybe just what I'm walking through right now. Like, is God really going to be faithful to me? Does God really love me? And this is why I love preaching at Christmas every year because the story highlights this in such dramatic ways that God's promise to love was based on God's promise and God's faithfulness, not your performance. And that God has decided in history, if you would just simply move in his direction with your little bit of faith, God is going to love you anyway because God's decided that that's what God's gonna do. That's what God did with Abraham. That's what God did with David. That's what God did with Zechariah. That's what God did with Mary. That's what God did with every figure that led up to this amazing narrative that we all know so well. And when those doubts creep in of with where I've been, with what I've done, with what I'm walking through, with all of my doubts, like can God actually still love me? God says to you, I've decided I'm just gonna love you anyway. And when you're in a place to go, I'm so wound up from the dysfunction and wounds of my past, I don't know if I'm ever gonna get past this hurt. God says, I'm just gonna love you anyway. And if you're in a place to go, as so many of us feel, I'm so broken. I don't know if I can ever get to a place of wholeness. I don't know if I'm ever going to be okay. I don't know if I can ever get rid of this behavior. I don't know if I can ever do the Christian thing. I don't know if I can ever leave this behind. And you have a savior that says to you, I'm just going to love you anyway. And even when you fail, my love is not going to fail you. Because believe it or not, Ready or not, God decided that he was just going to do it. And his love is unwavering, unending, and it never runs out. And one of the best adjectives in all of scripture to describe it is scandalous. You can do nothing to earn it. You can't do anything to keep it. It doesn't make sense. And it is so simple yet costly that we stumble over it. But God says to you in history, I have done everything on your behalf by coming to live a perfect life, to die the death that you should have died and then walk out of a grave alive that validated everything that I said about my life. And now I'm offering forgiveness and love to you that is based on me. And if you will simply receive it, you enter the story of God's believe it or not, ready or not, I'm just gonna do it anyway plan. And even if you face plant to the finish of your life, God says to you, because I'm faithful, I am going to do it. I am going to love you anyway. Because no word from God is ever gonna fail. And so I love what Luke wrote. Those famous words that we're so familiar with in the city of David. You mean dysfunctional David? David that ruined his marriage? David that hired a hitman? Yeah, that David. Because that David is a part of my, I'm just going to do it anyway plan. And so he's a central figure as Mary and Joseph roll into the city of David. Where Luke records, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord.
Ready or not, believe it or not, it happened. And so I just want to give you the opportunity as we end, as I do every year, because I can't miss this opportunity. God's not asking you for some weird, lame, unintellectual version of, you just need to have faith in faith. God never asked you to do that. God's asking you to have faith in something that has happened in history. That he lived, he died, he came back to life. And even with all of your questions and doubts, and I can't figure it out, and I can't reconcile certain things, that's not the prerequisite. His invitation is, you don't have to have all of your how questions answered. You just need to have enough faith and confidence in who. And if you will move in my direction, I will immediately insert you into my, I'm just going to do it and I'm just going to love you anyway plan. And so right now, wherever you are, would you just pray with me in the house, online, if you're listening via radio somewhere and you have this moment, this space to just enter in. Because for some of you, I know where you are right now and it has nothing to do with me, but you're in a moment that was orchestrated by a God who loves you. And this is maybe against all odds, something that you were not expecting. You've come to the place literally in moments to go, I think it's true. Like, I think this is true. And I want you to to have an opportunity to just respond to that. And so I'm just gonna lead you in a prayer. And I wanna be really clear. There's no prayer that saves you or special words. You don't have to pray specific words, no magic mantra. It is simply a declaration and a transfer of trust from you trying to maybe earn your way to God, or maybe you just gave up a long time ago. And this is the moment to go, no, I'm gonna trust what Jesus has done for me. I'm gonna trust his believe it or not, ready or not, he just did it plan. He saved me, he rescued me, he's already done something for me. It's why it's good news. And so you just pray this after me right where you are, and it's your declaration of trust to say, Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And right now, I'm asking you to forgive me and to save me. And I wanna give you one more opportunity if that's you right now. Jesus, I believe that you're God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that three days later, you rose again. And right now, I'm trusting you to forgive me and to save me. And I just wanna encourage you as we continue to pray, if you're anywhere around the country, around this area, or physically sitting under the sound of my voice right now, I just wanna encourage you to do one thing, that you could text CC Decide to 94,000 right now. We'd love to send you just a very quick link with some information about this new journey because we wanna help you beyond just this momentary decision. So if you would, wherever you are, text CC Decide to 94,000. And if you are online, we'd love for you to put a comment or reach out to us. And just let us know about your decision. If you're in the room and nobody looking around, would you just lift up your hand if tonight that was your moment to make a decision to go, I'm gonna follow Jesus and I'm gonna place my faith and trust in Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand? Awesome, yeah. Jesus, I thank you so much for your grace, for your love. I thank you, Lord, for this narrative that continues to do its thing 2,000 years later. I thank you that over these next moments, We get to lift our voices. We get to praise you, not because of anything that we've done. For some of us, there's some things that are just flying out of control. But even in the midst of this, we are celebrating your faithfulness in the midst of sometimes our faithlessness. And so we thank you that when we were not ready and in multiple times in our life when we didn't believe it, you just decided to do it. 
And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this message or have been impacted by Centerpoint Church in any way, would you consider helping us out in one of two ways? First, if you would just spread the word, share this message with your friends, family. Maybe you could go rate and review our podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, but this helps us so much more than you know. And secondly, this ministry is supported by people like you through their financial generosity. And so if you've been impacted by any of these messages, would you consider giving to support the mission and vision of Centerpoint to see people reach with the radical grace of Jesus? You can give today on our website at centerpointfl.org. And again, that's centerpointfl.org.